You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Great Expectations. Hello, my radio friends. I'm so glad that you've joined me today to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Some of you may be familiar with Charles Dickens' novel, Great Expectations, and Pip. We once had a dog named Pip, and he was a terrific dog, just as Dickens' novel was also terrific. But of course, great expectations are not limited to just novels. The Bible has something to say about great expectations as well. So, who has the expectations? Well, we do. But God has expectations too. The second question is, through who or what are those expectations to be satisfied? Before all this, I want to share a true story with you. It happened here in Australia. A lady walked into a new car showroom and was carefully examining the cars on display. Eventually she ended her search and stood admiring the car painted in the colour she liked. The salesman came to her and she said she wanted to buy that particular car. So the salesman took her to his office where they sat down. The salesman then opened his book and asked her for her address, telephone number, and so on. After completing the personal information page, the sales contract, on the sales contract, the salesman asked how she wanted to pay for the car. Instead of asking for higher purchase, the lady said she was a cash buyer, but she asked if payment could be delayed until the next day. Asked why, the lady replied that she had just bought a ticket in the lottery that was to be drawn that night and she was certain she would be the winner and would therefore have more than enough to pay for the car the next day. Well, she had high expectations, although the salesman immediately tore up the sales contract and bade the lady goodbye. Now, I'm a golfer and normally play 18 holes of golf early each weekday morning. When I reach the course, I greet my fellow players and hit off. What goes on in my mind? In other words, what expectations do I have that keeps me interested in the game? Well, I can tell you my expectation is that I will achieve a good score and that I might play better than I did the day before. And if I did not have a high expectation, probably I wouldn't bother to get up early to go out in the hot weather or cold to play. Expectations are important. They are the motivators for success. Ask any high achiever, and he or she will tell you that they had a goal they wanted to achieve and believed that they could reach that goal. 
The Apostle Paul had such an expectation. As recorded in Philippians 3, verses 12 to 14, he had this to say, Not that I have already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul pointed out that anyone who enters a race does so with the expectation of winning. Anyone who becomes a Christian does so because they have the expectation of receiving eternal life. The reality of life is often as Paul describes in Romans 7 verses 18 and 19. He says, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now Paul had high expectations of himself, but failed in his own strength to reach the goals he aimed for. And that gives me, and probably you too, comfort. Because we know only too well, don't we, that the high moral goals we really want to achieve often disappear from our grasp because of our sinful natures. But Paul wasn't finished. Realising his own struggle to achieve and knowing that his own efforts resulted in failure, he understood that he needed help. And in verses 24 and 25 of Romans 7, he summed up the situation this way. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has great expectations for his people. In Matthew 5, verse 48, is recorded the words of Jesus, who said, Be perfect, therefore, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Friends, I've been a Christian for quite some years, but I can't classify myself as perfect. In fact, none of us can. But even so, there is an expectation that we will be. In 1 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul outlined what a church leader should be like, and here's the list. He says, Now the overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. I'd like to suggest to you that all Christians should have those qualities 
I just read to you. But there's more. Let's have a look at Colossians 3. Now I've selected various verses, but I recommend you read the whole chapter. I'll just say that again. It's Colossians chapter 3, verse 8. You used to do these same things, but now your lives are different. You're changed. You're no longer the angry, raging, malicious, gossiping, lewd-talking people you used to be. You're new people now. And every day God is renewing you as the process of his redemption continues to make you more and more like his son. Then down in verse 12, it says, God loves you dearly and has set you apart as his own. So he wants you to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle and patient. Be tolerant of one another and forgive whatever grievances you have against each other, even as Christ has forgiven you. Now verse 17, Everything you do in speech or in action, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, thanking God for what he has done through the gift of his Son. Are they high expectations? You bet they are. But what about that last verse, verse 17, where it says, Everything you do in speech or in action, do in the name of the Lord Jesus. What on earth does that mean? You've probably, probably most, or sometimes you might have bought an item particularly an appliance that had a sticker on it to say that the product had passed the quality control test. Think of what you do and say like this. Let's say you write a letter or an email to someone and there are some things that you would really like to say to that person because they have annoyed you. So, before sending off the letter, imagine Jesus standing next to you with a rubber stamp. He then reads your letter. If he approves of what you've written, he then stamps your letter at the bottom and stamps, Approved by me, Jesus. Here's another example. You have to drive somewhere in a hurry, and you know there'll be a lot of traffic. Other drivers seem to hold you up. Others block the lane you are in and you're stopped by just about every red light. The trip was frustrating and made you feel very annoyed. If Jesus was quietly sitting in the back of your car, assessing you like a driving instructor as you drove, would he be able to stamp the page with his name approving of how you handled the situation. Now we're going to have a break here and straight afterwards I'm going to read you a beautiful poem about what we've just been talking about. Without him I could 
do nothing without him I'd surely fail without him I would be drifting like a ship without a sail without him I would be dying without him I'd be enslaved without Today we're talking about expectations, great expectations, that is. And I was just talking to you about how that if Jesus was there watching and doing and and seeing the things that we do, would he approve of it? Now I want to share with you a beautiful poem on this topic. It's called, If Jesus Came to Your Home. And it goes like this, if Jesus came to your home to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such an honoured guest, and all the food you'd serve him would be the very best. And you would keep assuring him you're glad to have him there, that serving him in your home is joy beyond compare. But when you see him coming, would you meet him at the door, with arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly visitor? Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in, or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been? Would you turn off the radio and hope he hadn't heard and wish you hadn't uttered that last loud, hasty word? Would you hide your worldly music and put some hymn books out? Could you let Jesus walk right in, or would you rush about? And I wonder, 
If the Saviour spent a day or two with you, would you go right on doing the things you always do? Would you go right on saying the things you always say? Would life for you continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversation keep its usual pace? And would you find it hard each meal to say a table grace? Would you sing the songs you always sing? And read the books you read, and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed. Would you take Jesus with you everywhere you plan to go, or would you maybe change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad to have him meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad to have him stay forever, on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he at last was gone? It might be interesting to know the things that you would do if Jesus came in person. To spend some time with you, yes, friends. God has high expectations, and wants His people to live on a higher plane than a mere basic existence. His expectation is that we should be more like Him, but He doesn't expect that we can do that. Without help. So, what does the Bible say about that help? The Lord has sent the Holy Spirit to convict and guide us to a better way of life. In the Book of John, chapter sixteen, verses seven and eight, we are told this: Jesus is speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. The Holy Spirit is sent to be a guide. To comfort and help us, Jesus has gone back to heaven, but he has sent someone—that is, the Holy Spirit—in his place, who is here to assist us in our endeavours to live a Christian life. Philippians chapter four and verse nineteen explains that the Lord is on our side, coaching. And strengthening us, it says, "And my God will meet all your needs, according to His glorious riches, in Christ Jesus." And then there's this supporting statement from Philippians chapter four, verse thirteen. It says this: 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you need to control your temper? Help is available. Do you want to please God? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Do you need to stop using profanities? Ask Jesus for help. Just as we may have expectations of ourselves and other people, God has expectations of us. In Ephesians chapter 1 verses 5 and 6, this is explained more fully. It says, God predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted to the Beloved, to him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. God's expectation is that everyone will accept the sacrifice of Christ and so be saved. God does not force anyone against their will to accept him, but he has provided salvation for everyone. That's what the predestination means in this verse. It doesn't mean God says, well, I'll have you, you and you, and the rest of you can go jump. No, he predestines everyone, but it's up to us whether we will accept the grace that he offers. The choice of whether you accept salvation is up to you. You have to choose. If you choose to become one of God's children, there are no barriers, as God has made the way clear for everyone. But it must be your choice. Today I'm going to leave you with this question, friends. What is your choice? It's time to stop. But please remember, God has an expectation that you, yes, you, will be part of his glorious kingdom. So until next time then, I wish you peace. And I wish that you will make it your great expectation to spend eternity with our Lord, who loves you so very much. <laughs> 